Welcome to The Art of Badassery, where I explore what it takes to live life on your own terms, break free from the status quo, and unleash your inner badass. Whether you're a rebel at heart or simply seeking inspiration to step outside your comfort zone, this podcast is for you. I'm your host, Mahara Wayman, and each week I dive into the stories, insights, and strategies of those who have mastered the art of badassery and are living life to the fullest. They smile when no one is looking. Welcome to the Art of Badassery. I'm your host, Mahara Wayman, and today we have a remarkable guest joining us, Amani Saveri. Amani is a mindset and business coach based in New York City. Her journey has taken her from India to Hong Kong and eventually to the United States, where she spent over a decade shaping her career and embracing new experiences. Amani's multicultural upbringing brings a unique perspective to her coaching practice. Having been born and raised in Hong Kong while attending a British school, she learned to navigate diverse environments and adapt to different cultures. Her background has fueled her passion for understanding the human mind and its potential. When she's not coaching, Amani is an adventurous soul who enjoys exploring the world around her, whether it's discovering hidden gems at hole-in-the-wall restaurants, getting lost in the pages of a captivating book, or immersing herself in the beauty of nature through hiking and picnics in the park, Amani seizes every opportunity to try new things and create unforgettable memories. Join us today as we delve into her fascinating journey, her insights on mindset and business, and the powerful strategies that she employs to help others unlock their true potential. Get ready to be inspired, folks, and motivated by her wisdom and infectious zest for life. Amani, welcome to the show. It's so good to have you here. Yeah, thank you so much for having me, Mahara. I'm so excited to be here and talk. Fantastic. Well, let's jump right in. You've lived all over the world. Yes. <laughs> I think is the, is the number one thing that you've learned from, I, I alluded to it, but I'm curious, what's the number one thing that you've learned about yourself having had that opportunity? Hmm. I think the power of observation is probably my number one thing that I would share. You know, we're so focused on the doing and sometimes just leaning back and listening and observing how people move and speak has actually given me so much more value. So that served me really well throughout my my whole life and just traveling and living in different places. So is there, when did that first start? Because I don't think that's an inane, an inane, I don't think it, that's an innate um, skill of ours, because for the most part, we, we've been born into a society that's very fast paced, go, 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 do, 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 go, 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 get, get, get. But what I heard from you was you've actually learned to slow everything down and observe. Can you remember when that first happened? When you first learned that lesson? Yeah, I think for me, honestly, it's one of those things when you know, because I'm from India, I was born and raised in Hong Kong, I always felt like a fish out of water to some degree. And so because of that, I really had to learn how to observe things so that I could feel more comfortable in my environments when I'm communicating with others. Um, So I think it, I, I can't pinpoint a specific memory, but I know it started sometime when I was in Hong Kong, where I was just like, I don't look like everyone else. I don't act like everyone else. And so really learning to just take a backseat and observe. Um, and then 
And then I think I just carried that with me throughout. It almost sounds like a bit of survival instinct. Yeah. 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 Awesome. Awesome. So tell us a little bit about the journey back to the United States, because you were born in India, went to school in Hong Kong. How old were when you how old were you when you came to the States? So I was 18. So I graduated from high school in Hong Kong, came to the States for college, and then stayed on and started working in New York. And honestly, when I did, I thought I'd be in New York for a year or two. And now it's been 11 years. So yeah, I've been in the States for a while, but college was the segue. And then life has kept me here ever since. What did you study in college? I studied psychology. Ah. Yeah. Yeah. I love just exploring the human mind and I think it's fascinating. It's interesting. My youngest daughter is studying psychology and it's the most um, popular course or degree in the university that in fact, some of the courses she can't even get into because it's so popular. Do you think that the state of the world, shall we say, because I think we are, we've moved into a phase where there's a lot of growth, a lot of learning. But do you think that is the cause for such an interest in in all things psychology that I'm at least noticing in Canada? Yeah, I think people are more interested in learning and growth. And just, I think there is a much bigger emphasis on awareness these days, right? Being self-aware, being aware of others. And so I think people have really realized the value of understanding both ourselves and others. Um, to just create a richer life and also just be able to navigate life's ebbs and flows, right? With more ease. So definitely. So is that what got you into being a coach? Because they're not, ex they're, they're connected, but I'm curious if you talk to us a little bit about how you became a coach today. Yeah. Yeah. It was quite a journey. Um, <laughs> So I actually had been in the luxury travel world for nine years before I decided to pivot and become a coach. And I actually had never really heard of coaching. I didn't know what it was. And the reason I actually got into it was because I started working with a coach because I was really frustrated with my dating life. So I'd been in New York. I'd been dating for the same way for nine years. And, you know, I think one of the narratives you'll hear a lot from people here is how dating is so tough and all the men in New York are terrible, which was the story I had as well, I'll be honest. And then I really then COVID hit and I had time to really pause and reflect. And, you know, it, it kind of, it kind of hit me like a ton of bricks. And I was like, well, I'm the common denominator as well. So maybe there's something I need to look at in myself. And so I started working with a coach and only a couple of days later, I met my now husband and my life literally did a 180 as a result of that coaching. And so it just really inspired me to be able to help people on their journeys and make those changes. Because I think sometimes it can feel like we're pushing a boulder up a hill. And then when you're actually willing to look at yourself, it can be so much easier than we think. So was not part of the plan in any way, but that's that's what got me here. I love that. Well, that's kind of like life, right? So often we we have plans or we think what life should be. And I know that from my experience, I did everything I was told, expecting a certain result. And there was some disappointment along the way, but I really, I appreciate that you brought up the story that you told yourself about dating 
very true. Most of my clients and myself included, we tell ourselves stories all the time and they don't always serve us. So I think it's great that you learned that, that you learned that, that when you did. So what happened? You, so this was a date. You had a dating coach or a relationship coach, mm -hmm. but business mindset coach. Yeah. So I, so I decided to become a business coach because the same thing actually happened when I worked with the business coach. So I worked with the business coach. And then in the first three months after working with her, my return on the investment tripled. So I just saw how much coaching had an impact in my life, not just in dating, but in business too. And so, um, and I think also when you're, when you sign up to have your own business, there's two things. You have the business itself, and then you have all the management around your mind, which no one really tells you about, right? But it's almost like two jobs rolled into one. And so I felt really inspired to help other other women with that because I feel like it's a piece that's often overlooked and that's actually so important if you want to create a long-term profitable, profitable business that really um, feels good, right? Because people don't become business owners to make it hard. They they do it to create an easier and more useful life. And so that was what inspired me to, to focus on mindset and business. So, excuse me. So, so important. I learned as most entrepreneurs do that success is an inside job to quote Gabby Bernstein, which I do a lot. Uh -huh. And I almost wish I could go back a couple of years and the first course that I took I almost wish I could have known ahead of time. You know what? Anybody can Google how to set up a how to set up a Instagram page, for example. But you can't Google how to deal with the inner dialogue or the stories or the mindset. To use your word, your words, so so important. So, what's one of the biggest surprises that you've had as a coach? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I think one of the biggest surprises that I've had is. Oh, I have to think about this. Hmm. This is a great question. Um, think about it. I'll tell you what one of my biggest surprises as a coach, because I, I was coaching for many years in my corporate world without realizing that I was coaching. But in the last couple of years, as I've focused on my business, one of my biggest surprises is how badly I need coaching. Mm. You hear people. I was very, I've always had a great life. I'm a happy person, lots of friends, great family. I hadn't realized the amount of stories that I was telling myself until I had coaching and learned that, wow, before I can expect it from others, I need to understand how to go deep myself. And mm. so on the surface, I had, and still continue to have an amazing life. I still have work to do. So everybody can benefit from coaching. And that was a surprise to me because I thought I'm happy. I know what I want. Therefore, I can get it. <laughs> I was so, I was so um, optimistic. Um, so it's been a beautiful surprise. And I say beautiful because now that I understand what's going on, when stuff comes up, I can, I can look at it with love and go, okay, that's interesting. Oh, that's interesting. Mm -hmm. I become very, I, I, I have become a great observer of my own behavior. And my own body, what? because I understand that my body holds everything. So when I get triggered and I'm like, ooh, that doesn't feel good, I now can question it. So that's been my biggest surprise as a coach is how badly I need coaching. Mm, that's such a good one. And I 
I love that you have that awareness of how the journey is never ending, right? Um, so I love that. I actually have an answer for you if you're ready for it. Um, so the thing that I've learned and very similar to you, I think coaching can benefit everyone. It's so powerful. I've literally seen it do a 180 on my life. Um, but the thing that I've learned is we can't want something more for someone than they want for themselves. And I think as a coach, you know, I so badly want to help everyone and I see their potential and hold them to that highest vision. And at the same time, it's up to them to do the work and the heavy lifting and to want to do coaching um, to really make those shifts, you know, but I've learned that I can do my part. I can take care of my side of the street and, you know, the other person is responsible for their side of the street. And that's been, that has been quite a journey for me, but I would say that's probably one of the biggest things I've learned in being a coach. And that's such a good observation as well. You know, I made the assumption that even for myself, if I'm going to, you know, do this, then obviously I want to do it. And you're going to tell, you're going to help me. And if I don't do it, you'll do it for me. In a a conscious thought. But I remember saying to my business coach, no, just tell me what to do. No, no. What do you think I should, what do you think I should do? And God bless her. She's like, Mahara, I just want you to take a deep breath because I was getting a little bit agitated and fretting. And uh, we had this great conversation and she gave me permission to trust myself, Mm. which I think some, many of us struggle with, because that's why we're in the place that we're at is we don't, we haven't learned to trust. It's all a great component of being badass. It's trusting yourself, whatever it is that you come up with coming up for a reason. But I had to learn, I had to learn that as well. I had to learn that as well. So I'm wondering, can you share a couple or at least one key moment from your life that you think really led you to doing the work that you're doing today? I'm curious. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, uh, so one of the things as I talked about was seeing how coaching impacted my dating life. You know, now I'm happily married, have this really amazing partner. Um, But the other thing too was, you know, I had always wanted to have my own business and COVID, I think for like, for many people, it was really the catalyst to take that step. And, um, you know, it all kind of hit me at once where I was like, okay, this life is great. Very similar to what you said, right? Like, I'm happy. I know what I want. Um, and there was still a gap between where I was and where I wanted to be. And so then it was like, now I need to close the gap and take action. Um, and I remember there was like a very specific day where I'd made that decision. And I was, I was sitting on my friend's porch in Santa Fe and just like overlooking the mountains. And I was like, yeah, this is what I need to do. And, um, you know, I think, um, sometimes we'll have an idea and it's percolating for a while, but then actually taking the step is the hard part. I agree a hundred percent. I've grown up with ideas. I've always, you know, I'm a very creative person and ideas are always there, but really it was only until very recently that I felt comfortable enough to act on the idea. And I used to say, I wrote a blog about this once where I was a great daydreamer because I'm very creative daydream all these amazing things but I categorized it as a daydream i.e not possible for me the only way I could experience to put it in the category of that's just a dream and then I I had a I met a coach a dreaming coach actually she taught me how to dream and she commissioned to stop using it stop saying that it was a daydream versus um that's my intention 
And it was a big mindset shift for me. It was like, wow, if I can dream it, then I can be it. Of course, I lost myself in quotes and read all kinds like many of us do and I think it was Dale Carnegie that said if you dream it you can be it and and that's just from a business point of view so it is important to to actually act on it why do you think that's so hard for many of us to do though to, to, to close that gap and I love that phrase that you used why is that so hard well, I think our mind in general is designed to keep us safe, right? So it wants to keep us in our comfort zone. It want to keep, it wants to keep us small, right? It wants to be in that familiar territory. So by default of that, when you're closing the gap between where you are and where you want to be, it often it often represents the unknown, right? And our mind doesn't, our brain doesn't like the unknown because we don't we don't know it, right? It's it's a completely it, it's a blank slate. Um, and the other thing too, is with that comes fear, right? So fear is such a strong undercurrent a lot of the time when we are taking that step. And so for me, I, I really think fear is, is always going to be there, but it's about letting it be the tailwind and not the headwind. Right. So it's kind of like when you're sitting in a car and there's like a really annoying passenger next to you, you're like, okay, you can go in the backseat. It's not about getting rid of it. It's just about changing your relationship to it. That's powerful. That's powerful. So would you think then that most of us allow fear to dictate our actions versus acceptance dictating our actions or excitement or love? Yeah, I think fear is a primary driver, but a lot of people aren't aware of it. And even if they're aware of it, it takes a lot to change it. You know, I think people tend to think in a very dichotomous manner. It's like an all or nothing. So it's like, you have to get rid of the fear before you do the thing. And it's not about that. It's just about turning the volume down on the fear, you know, and relating to the fear differently, like, and really just like dancing with life, you know? Oh, I love that. I love that visual. And I think to your point, relating to fear differently is so, so powerful. And I know that some of our listeners are going to be thinking, what the hell are they talking about? How can you relate differently to fear? Fear is fear, right? The minute you feel it, your heart rate goes up, you start to panic and it probably triggers something that happened in the past. And one coach that I worked very closely with um, when I got my certification, she really, Alyssa Nobriga, she really shared that, you know, fear is normal. And the best way to navigate your relationship with fear is to listen to it and get curious about it. And then just, bunch of love at it not to sound too woo woo and out there but really going back to your your comment earlier about learning how to observe when we can learn to observe fear in ourselves and i'm not talking you know the fear of a of you know a, a an animal in the woods like that's that's base human fear like back of brain fear i'm talking the fears that come up in everyday life the fears that we have that come up that we know come up to keep us safe, but actually are holding us back from our dreams. When we can look and observe those fears with curiosity and go, well, where's that coming from? Oh, why do I feel that way? It's okay. It's okay that you're here. And to your point, rather than try to ignore it or not have it, hold its hand and show it some love and understand or try to understand that it's there to help you. But you're right. It's not easy. It is not an easy thing to do at all. Yeah. I mean, I think there are so many things, right? It's it's easier said than done, but I, I actually love what you said because it's about approaching it with curiosity and really trying to see all 
emotions as not just neutral, but as data points, right? So as you said, getting curious, it's like, okay, what is the fear trying to tell me? And then really unpacking it versus trying to push it away or, you know, just stuff it down because then we are able to coexist with it and be like, okay, fear's in the room. That's fine. And I'm not going to let it stop me from doing the thing that I want to. Yeah, it's one of the biggest lessons that we can learn for sure. What are some other big lessons that you've learned through your journey to being a, a business mindset coach that you'd like to share with our audience? Yeah, I think the I think one of the biggest ones is how you relate to failure is so important. You know, I think when you're when you're a child, right? It's like when you're learning to walk, you fumble and you fall and you just pick yourself back up and you do it again, right? And that's with so many things, whether it's riding a bike or learning how to write, like we pick ourselves up so much more quickly, but then when we're adults and we fail at something the first time, we make it mean something about us. We make it mean something about our potential, our, you know, our future prospects. And so I really think um, seeing failure as a stepping stone to success is really important, but also using it as a data point. And honestly, I think failure is never a failure if you choose to learn from it. So true. It's one of my, that's one of my favorite concepts to talk about with clients is guys, it stops being a mistake. The minute you decide to learn from it, the 100%. Instant, why did that happen? Oh, wow. Okay. The minute you do that, it's not a mistake. It's not a failure. It's like, wow, to your point, it's just a point of data. It's just an opportunity for growth. And I think we have a long way to go where we can learn to have that happen instantly. Because to your point, children, they don't understand failure because they're encouraged. Like we encourage our kids to learn how to walk. Mm -hmm. Okay, get back up. You did a great job. But as we get older, we, we stop telling ourselves that. And we, you know, we expect it to be perfect of ourselves. Hard thing to get over though, but very true. Um, so two things that you've said that I think are worth repeating. Yeah. So the first one is fear is always going to be there. And this is cliched, but you got to feel the fear and do it anyway. And really just the reminder is to let fear be the tailwind, not the headwind. And the second one is failure, just really choosing to relate to it differently, seeing it as a stepping stone to success. And the other thing I'll say about failure is that it is the fastest way to success because our default is we want to learn, we want to keep consuming and, you know, consuming until we're ready to do the thing. But when you learn from failure, that is actually the quickest way to success. Okay. I want to talk about that a little bit more because my initial, my visceral reaction when you said that was what? <laughs> Incredibly successful. And I don't want to go through all the failures. So can you talk a little bit more about that? Because I suspect people that are listening have the same reaction or a similar reaction. Yeah. I mean, look, I'm, I'm speaking from personal experience. I have definitely been that person who wants to consume all the books and do all the courses and just do all the things before I really get out on the court, right. And take action because I don't, I don't want to fail, but every single time I've done something and I failed or I haven't done it perfectly, that's when I've learned so much quicker. Cause I know what I need to do differently, what I need to refine, what worked, what didn't. And so I, I really think the more you're willing to take action and reframe failure as experience and a stepping stone to success, it's going to, it's going to collapse time for you so much more quickly than reading a book or doing a course ever will. 
Okay. I had a vision of years ago, I took a course on quantum physics. Hmm. Well, let me be clear. This was a motivational course. It wasn't a quantum physics course, but the motivation okay. is all about understanding the, the energies of the universe and this, that it is possible to like sort of leapfrog into a space of energy that's very productive. So I loved what you said, recognizing that that's all how, that's all, that's what success is. Success really isn't overnight. I hate it when people say that, especially yeah. in being a, an entrepreneur or an online, an online business coach, for example, this idea of overnight success, nothing's overnight. There's a lot of learning that goes into it and recognizing that failure quote, and I'm going to put that in air quotes for those of you that are listening. Failure in air quotes, really, as we said earlier, it's not a failure if you learn from it. It's just, it's a learning opportunity. And it may be the opportunity that you have to leapfrog to the next level of your growth and the next level of your business. A hundred percent. I remember hearing this, this thing and it said, baby steps are quantum leaps in disguise, you know, and it, and it's, it's on that same thread of like, we discount those things or we'll sometimes see someone at a certain point in their journey and think like, yeah, they just had it all together, but we didn't know, we didn't see the back end of what happened. And so, yeah, I, I just really encourage taking, taking action and learning from it. Um, I think something that you just said really sparked an idea in me or a recognition that part of my challenge has definitely been this I, compare, comparison, you know, whether mm. or just growing up. Um, have you found that that's been an issue for you or your clients, this idea of, well, the world is an open book because of social media. We see everything, but are we seeing the truth? Are we seeing what's real? And if so, or if not, how do we navigate that? Because this comparison, whether it's in business or just in life, is a really slippery slope that we all fall into. Has that ever happened to you? Yes, I am. I'm human. <laughs> so I definitely do compare myself to others. And what's been really helpful for me is being very cognizant of my mind food. And I can I can elaborate on that a little more. But um you know, essentially kind of treating like my mind, like a garden, right. And pruning it. So I notice, for example, when I'm on social media for extended periods or on Instagram, like I would just come off and feel really bad about myself, honestly. And so I've just learned to be very intentional with what I'm taking in. Right. So whether that's unfollowing certain accounts, maybe, or muting certain things, or, you know, choosing to you know, just basically choosing to take in things that serve me. Um, and so, for example, for me, I have now built my business primarily on LinkedIn because I realized, okay, platforms like Instagram and TikTok are not my flavor and that's okay. And this is actually going to allow me to show up better every day without feeling that comparison. Um, and so I think it's our responsibility to really just choose our mind food very carefully so that we don't fall into that comparison because you're going to be um, you're going to be in a more like high value cycle, so to speak. Yeah, I love it. Um, it makes me think years ago, I remember my mom telling me that perhaps I shouldn't watch the news. And I'm like, what? And she's like, sweetheart, it's so depressing. Haven't you noticed they only talk about the drama and the pain that mind is experiencing. And 
So I hardly ever watch the news now. And it's interesting because I have family that will rush to the phone to phone me and tell me of some of a disaster. And I'm, it's not that there is glee in their voice by any stretch, but what I'm getting is this need to feel um, connection and people feel can feel connected through drama. Yeah. Like the family grapevine. Oh my God, so-and-so, this is happening or that's happening. And just like you said, I, I just want to step away from it. I love the uh, the alliteration or the, the comparison of your mind to a garden because I'm an avid gardener. And it's so true. Challenge, I think, is that we fall into habits. For example, it's a habit of watching the news at night. What I like about where this conversation is going is you've highlighted a few things that I think really speak to your being badass. Now, of course, this podcast is called The Art of Badassery. And my goal is that women everywhere and men who listen understand that true badassery is being yourself. What are some things that you do on a regular basis to remind you to be authentic every day? Hmm. So the first one is I really tune into my body. You know, I take some time in the morning to see how I'm feeling, adjust my to-do list if needed, and show up in a way where I feel authentic and I can give myself fully to the things that I'm, to the things that I have. Um, and the other thing too, is I take radical responsibility for my life, you know, which is very new. Um, I think still for a lot of people and you know, even for myself, that's, that's been only in the last couple of years, but learning to be responsible for your life means that you actually have the power to change it, right? It's not about looking at situations or people or contexts and putting the onus of change on them. It's about taking it into your own hands and figuring out what do I need to do? What's my part in this? How can I shift it? That is so powerful. I think I want a t-shirt that says radical responsibility makes me badass. I will, I will buy one too. If you make them, please do. <laughs> well, and I, you know what I, what I love about that is this understanding that so many of us put our worth in the hands of outside forces or outside people or just other people versus I'm, I'm intrinsically worthy because I, I'm here. And when you take radical responsibility, and I just love the alliteration of that, but when we take radical responsibility for our life, we are basically saying, I have the power. If I'm responsible, then I have the power. You know, just because you act like a jerk doesn't mean I have to feel hurt. I can look at you and go, my God, you're really acting like a jerk and not take it personally. A hundred percent. It's like, you know, like I go back to the example of my dating. It's like when I was blaming people, things, it didn't serve me. Right. But then when I looked at myself and I said, okay, I'm the problem. The great news is that I'm the solution too. And so when you choose to be personally responsible, that's what happens. You're willing to make the changes and look at yourself and see what needs to shift to create the result that you want. So here's my question. And we've mentioned it a couple of times, this idea that, you know, we're human. I, I believe we're spiritual beings that have chosen to have a human existence. That that if we are going to be radically responsible for our lives, how do we balance that with our spirituality, whatever that looks like for you? 
because to me, I see that it's it's a constant battle because there have been times where I was like, oh my God, I don't know what's out there, but could, but could you please just give me some help versus do this myself? So I'm just curious, what do you think about that? So the balance between radical responsibility and spirituality, I think it's a great question. Um, so it is, it's definitely a delicate balance of them. And I, and I do think that they go hand in hand. I think with radical responsibility, it's about taking care of your part, right? So we are in control of everything. And I think it's really important to cultivate a relationship with your higher power, whether that's spirit, God, universe, you know, mother earth, whatever you want to call it. Um, but it's just about knowing that you did what you could to, create the outcome that you want and really also trusting that if it's not this, it's something better. And you may not understand the timeline or why, but it's, it's about going through life with more ease and knowing that you did what you could, um, you know, to, to create the life that you want. Um, so, yeah. I like that. I like that. I know the way that I think about it is that I'm in partnership. I agreed to come and have a life and learn some lessons and do my very best. The idea of trusting that there is something else, whatever you call it, regard, you know, it could be spirit, God, Jesus, universe, Buddha, it doesn't matter. But in that level of trust, I think is key. And how I picture it is I have a flock of energy spirit guides ancestors so that are just watching me and waiting and giving me opportunities to grow and when i do something when i step up or when i yeah when i step up i picture them all going oh my gosh she did it yes mahar is ready for the next one perfect hey remember yeah let's get let's give her this let's give her this opportunity so i feel like i'm in partnership with my spirituality and which means they do stuff and i do stuff I can't just sit back in my beautiful purple room and expect my beautiful life to unfold just because I want it. I actually have to step up and do the work, whether it's inner work or outer work, you know, whether I have to work on my inner child and get do, do some forgiveness, or I actually have to go out there and, you know, knock on doors and talk to people about what I do for a living. Or if I ha actually have to sit down and write a book, I can't dream about being an author if I don't actually pick up a pen and start writing or typing as it were. So it is a delicate balance, but um, it is possible. And I think everybody, there are times when I'm going to rely more on my actual actions than on spirit. And other times I have to just sit back and trust that whatever comes to me is coming to me for a reason. Yeah, I, I love what you said. And it, it made me think of something which was, um, which is the idea. And this kind of goes with the responsibility piece is that everything is happening for you. Right. And then when you choose to trust in your higher power, it's like you trust that they are giving you what you need right now, or what's going to set you up for the next thing. And I don't know if you've heard of this quote, um, Steve Jobs said it, he said, you can only connect the dots when you're looking backwards. And that has like, I have seen that play out so many times in my life, like even with my husband, right? Like nine years of dating and showing me what was not the right fit and then meeting him. But it was like, it all made sense, but I couldn't have known that in the moment. And so just really trusting that what's happening is for you and that it's, it's setting you up for the next thing and having that trust. 
Yeah. So would you say that when you're working with your clients to help them unlock their true potential, that you spend, that there's a component of teaching them how to trust themselves? A hundred percent. Yes. Because I think, I mean, you mentioned this with your, with your business coach, right? It's like, you can have someone give you all the answers or tell you what to do, but learning how to trust yourself is priceless, you know, because you save yourself so much of the mental energy of the decision-making and the fretting and the drama. And it is one of the most powerful tools you can have, honestly, not just in business, but in life. So what does that look like though? Because to people that just, you know, got the shivers at the thought of trusting themselves, what do we say to them? What do you say to your clients? Like what's the actual tool, if there is one, to just trust yourself? Do you think? I think a big part of it is figuring out what their saboteurs are, you know? So for me, that's been really helpful because, and, and for my clients as well, I've, I've seen it literally change their life in terms of how they show up to their business, to dating. I mean, everything. And, and the dating is more a byproduct of working on the business stuff. Um, but yeah, I think um, understanding your saboteurs are there to protect you and to like, again, they want to keep you in the, the safe, familiar, comfortable zone. Um, so being able to recognize them and recognize the voices that come with them. And so then when they come up, you can be like, oh, okay, that's my mind trying to keep me safe. And I'm going to trust my intuition and do it anyway. Oh, I love that. So beautiful. It it really comes down to, I think, right back to what you said at the very beginning, getting curious and being an observer. And when we can observe the different conversations that we're having, the different stories that we tell ourselves and not be upset, angry, afraid, embarrassed, shamed by them, then we can embrace them and learn to trust whatever it is that they're trying to say to you. Because to your point, life happens for us, not to us. Very so. Yeah, that's great. That's awesome. So I just want to recap a few things here. You define badass as taking radical responsibility for your life. Observation is key. Clarity is everything. You have honed your skills of observation and brought it into your new business as a business and mindset coach and really helping your clients to understand first of all they're not broken I don't know if you use those words but really what I heard was they're not broken by having these stories and you help them to see them and recognize that every story that comes up is coming up for a reason to, to help you but if it's no longer serving you then let's look at changing the narrative and taking action anyway. You also talked about the importance of actually taking action on your dreams, right? And that was how you um, bridged the gap from where you were to where you wanted to be was to actually take action. And the more action you took, the more you made, the more you learned from it, and you actually got to where you wanted to be quite quickly. Does that, uh, am I right so far? Yeah, spot on, hit the nail on the head. Brilliant. So. As we tie this all up, is there anything else that you'd like to share with the audience about either your business or what you do every day to feel badass? Because in case you guys haven't figured it out yet, she is some kind of badass. Totally uh, a great example. And why are you laughing? She's laughing so hard, but it's true. So is there anything else that you want to share with us about your business or 
your badassery? Yeah, I think, um, so I'll, I'll answer both of those points. So in terms of being a badass, just remember that your thoughts are not your truth. You know, really just like, seeing them as clouds in your mind that pass, but they do not represent the truth and not to tie them to your identity. I think that is the biggest thing. Like we collapse our thoughts with the truth. And when you do that, it really stops you from being a badass and living your best life. And then in terms of my business, I love helping new and aspiring entrepreneurs with um, learning how to make more money without exchanging time. I think there's this misconception that the more money you make, the more hours you have to work. And that's just not true. I have built two businesses now, um, not following that. And it is very much possible. Um, and really helping people, again, just prune their mind like a garden and tending to it so that they have the best mindset to really set themselves up for success in a business and, um, and be able to create a long-term business where you don't, where you don't burn out. It's so important. So, so beautiful. I can't thank you enough for joining me today. I've loved our conversation. And for those of you that are listening, check out the show notes for all the different ways that you can connect with Amani. She's just a wealth of information and would love to help you on your journey if you are an entrepreneur or even a seasoned entrepreneur that's looking to put some jazz into your business. And I love your 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 desire to help us create a business that is sustainable and gives us um you know, more time and fun and energy and play and flow in our day, because as entrepreneurs, we can get caught up in it and work 24 seven, not pointing fingers or anything, but you know, <laughs> thanks very much. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and we will see you next week. Thanks again, Amani. Great chatting with you. Thank you so much, Mahara. Thank you for tuning in to The Art of Badassery. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and gained valuable insights to help unleash your inner badass. If you found this podcast helpful, please leave a rating or review on your favorite platform. Your feedback not only helps me improve the show, but it also helps others like yourself discover the podcast. Until next time, keep embracing your authenticity and living life on your terms. Here's to you.